Hi, I'm Tim. This is We're Only Human, a podcast celebrating the resiliency of the human spirit. I think one of the best ways for each of us to grow is by learning from each other. We're not perfect. We're not alone. We're only human. Today, I'm joined by Laura Savage, who is a Chicago-based actress, singer, dancer, gymnast, and yogi. Um, two years ago, she suffered an injury during a performance of Newsies that uh, potentially, I mean, could have been a big deal and uh, ended her career. Turns out it was a complete tear of her ACL, and she had to go through reconstructive surgery, months of physical therapy, and then eventually was able to get back up and running. Um, Laura, the word yogi, this is the first time I actually had to look up what a yogi was. I immediately thought of yogi the bear. Um, I've never actually heard that term before. And it's a, so you're a, it's a yoga practitioner. Is that right? Yes. Very simple. There's no uh, boo-boo in this uh, yogi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was. Uh, yeah, just an avid practitioner. Uh, I'm also a certified yoga instructor, although not teaching currently. So, Gotcha. So um, my kids and I saw Madagascar, a musical adventure, uh, the day after Thanksgiving at the Marriott out in the suburbs of Chicago. Um, you were, it was Private the Penguin, right? I don't know all the penguin names. Yes, I play Private the Penguin. Private the Penguin. As well as and, Mort the Lemur. <laughs> yes, that's right. You were also the lemur. So you were like, do you officially uh, consider yourself a puppeteer? I mean, these were puppets, right? You know, it's funny you ask me that because I just the other day I was talking to a friend of mine and I was like, you know, I really should put puppeteer on my resume because this is actually my second time doing Madagascar. And, uh, you know, it's two different styles of puppets that we use. So, yeah, at this point in time, I would definitely consider myself a puppeteer. I feel like I'm, I'm good enough at it that I would feel confident if Lion King happened to ever want to hire somebody like me, which they won't. I'm not typewise right for it, but I'd have no problem going in and doing a puppet workshop with them. <laughs> I think you should add it to your resume because especially the lemurs, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen it, it's like it was about half your height. It was like attached to your legs. You were controlling the expression, the arms and everything. I mean, it was you and the lemur were one. So I, it, I think you're a puppeteer. Thank you. I think so now, too. Maybe not the last time I did Madagascar, but definitely on this second time of it, I feel like I'm a bit more accomplished. <laughs> it was a it was a fantastic performance. Um, we were talking before I hit record that I haven't seen the movie. Uh, so my son was explaining it all and he was very excited beforehand telling me about the penguins um, and how they're the, you know, the best characters and stuff. So, yeah, congrats on being a penguin. You are a highly regarded character. Thank you. Yeah, it's so funny because they really don't have a lot to do with the central plot point of the show. The show is really based around, you know, Marty and Alex and their friendship and journey. Uh, but it's fun to get to be the penguins and it's this little like side plot. And so they're just like a big bunch of like silly, fun little penguins. So I feel like that's why a lot of kids gravitate towards them because they're just like in their own little world. And especially private, the penguin that I play in particular um, is just very happy-go-lucky and they just love life. So, you know, it's fun. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. It was fun is a great way to put it. It was such a fun performance. Um, so I do, I do want to talk about um, kind of your injury and your coming back from that because I think that's there's so much strength to be found in that story. But before that, I'm really curious. 
um, being a professional actor is in my mind, like a huge achievement. Um, that's something that so many people I feel like want to do, um, from whatever age, but it's, I sort of feel like the odds are like stacked against, you know, folks like yourself. And, um, so, I mean, like a congrats on, on achieving it and, and getting to do what I assume you love. Um, but I'm curious, did you like, was it like you were three years old and like, I want to be an actor and you, you took that path or was there some turning point in your life early on where you switched over to become an actor or going on that path? You know, it all kind of ties together. I was definitely not a uh, child that felt like I needed to be a star or on stage or performing all the time. Uh, I was a huge tomboy. I loved sports growing up. I was a competitive gymnast and uh, you know, a center um, forward, so a striker in soccer and leadoff batter in softball and it is swimming. So a lot of things. And um, I just all of a sudden wanted to audition for a community theater production of Annie when I was, I think, 11. And my mom, she jokes about it because, you know, she was like, oh, no, I don't know if I should let her audition. There's going to be hundreds of girls going and who knows if she'll get a part and she'll be upset, you know, and uh, we got to the audition that day and she kind of walked in with me. She didn't really know what to do. She was going to go sign me in. And I just was like, and I got this. And I walked over, I signed myself in. I sat down. I was very chill about the whole thing and uh, ended up getting in the show. I did not want to play Annie, however. That was never my dream. Uh, I, for some reason, wanted to play Molly, which was so silly. And I got to be Tessie, who's the whiny one. And I was so upset that I had to play the whiny one. But the choreographers um, noticed that I was, you know, a pretty good dancer and a gymnast as well. And so I got a, a very large tap feature and you're never fully dressed without a smile. And I think that, uh, I think that clinched it. Um, but for a long time as a kid, I wanted to be uh, an osteopath or some type of sports medicine doctor because I was so um, heavily into sports and movement with my body, which is funny because now, you know, how many years later after tearing my ACL, if you asked me if I could do any other job, I would probably be a physical therapist. <laughs> <laughs> and you know I and I think that's also partially why I got interested in yoga because yoga is such a connection I mean mind body and breath and for me there's a lot of uh a lot of ties between being an actor and uh and yoga and uh living authentically and vulnerably uh and present you know in every single moment um but that's all tied to breath work and movement you know moving through asanas which is exactly what we're doing as actors and performers at least that's how I feel. So, um, no, didn't ever want to do this as a child, but kind of happened into it. And I, uh, I went to a performing arts high school in Las Vegas. I was actually there with, um, Julianne Huff from Dancing with the Stars fame. She and I were silly girls together in Beauty and the Beast. Um, oh my gosh. I know, right. That's a claim to fame. (laughs) Even I know know who Julianne Huff is. (laughs) Right. I knew her when, uh, and she was always a fantastic dancer, just stunning, beautiful girl. And, um, so, so talented. Uh, and I went to college for it as well. And yeah, I just couldn't really give it up. So here I am. And I'm grateful to always be working. Um, that's definitely not the case for a lot of people in our business. Um, but I'm very blessed and lucky to be able to do so. The high school you went to in Las Vegas was uh, like a dedicated performing arts high school, right? Like this is something that I assume you had like audition to get into. And this was like very not stringent, but this wasn't a a typical high school. 
Exactly. Yeah, you had to audition. Uh, it's not just for theater. We had there was a music program, dance, uh, and we even had international studies. So there were kids there that were studying Japanese and Spanish, and we had a photography major. So there was, I mean, it, it ran the gamut. It was a very cool school. And uh, I had a really hard time. Once I got accepted into the program, a part of me really wanted to go to my normal, my zoned high school and be a cheerleader and, you know, go to football games and like live a very normal, all like American high school experience. Um, I've got two older siblings, so I got to see them do it. I felt like it was what I should be doing. But my mom said, you know, try the performing arts high school. And if you don't like it within the first two weeks, you can go back to your zoned high school. So I said, okay. So I went and um, I was hooked. Like I couldn't go to a normal school. What what were you hooked on? Was it just the fact that you got to do this, you know, to, to act and dance and all that kind of like uh, very focused or is it uh, the people? Yeah. You know, I thought it was going to be a completely different high school experience and it was in a lot of ways because we didn't have any sports teams. Um, but I mean, we had all of our normal uh, general education credits. You had to take math and science and English and all of those classes, but um, you had your major study every single day as well. So I had a theater class every single day versus I would have math every other day. So it felt like a normal high school experience just with a little extra emphasis on theater. And I really liked that um, source of creativity. I hadn't really gotten to dive into it as much uh, since I was doing theater kind of recreationally for a hobby. So this felt like a more intense study and I really, um, really took to it. Did it feel um, competitive? Like I imagine, as you just put it, you were doing this as a hobby and then this kind of, I imagine the school was composed of all sorts of folks who like were also like, this is what I want to do and I'm going to focus on this. Uh, did you, Was there any bit of like competitiveness that you enjoyed there or was it just kind of like you were personally growing and, and mastering your craft? A little bit of both. It was very cutthroat, um, very similar to how it is in the real world. There are some people in this business that eat, sleep, breathe, wanting to go to Broadway and it's everything to them. And that's fine. That's really wonderful for them. For me, would I love to be on Broadway? Absolutely. Are you kidding me? Yes. Send me out there. But <laughs> I think it's nice to have a balance of, um, you know, having friends and a family life and all of these other wonderful aspects of life that actually make you a better, more rounded person, which makes you a better actor. So, uh, you know, it was like that in high school. I didn't enjoy that aspect of it. Um, but I was pretty uh, honest and brutally so in high school. <laughs> you know, if people said nasty things about me, I didn't, uh, I didn't take to it too kindly. I was very much the kind of person that was like, if you want to say something about me, you can just say it right to me. You know, why are we playing games? That's kind of how I am as an adult as well. <laughs> it's funny how you change so much and you don't change at all. Yeah, I, th I think so much of like our character is set, you know, definitely in the, as a child, but I think in also those kind of formative adolescent years, w were you always like, like that, even as a kid, like someone who not forceful, but not afraid to stand up for herself and, and push back? You know, and not, yes, and not just for myself, but also for others. Um, if I see someone else being treated uh, unwell or malignantly, um, I, I don't stand for it. I do not take to it very kindly at all whatsoever. I don't see the point in having all that negativity. And you could say that I'm being negative by calling somebody out. But for me, it's 
more of a cleansing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I totally get that. Um, December, so almost two years ago, um, yeah. December 20th, 2017, this is when you are doing a performance in Newsies out at the Marriott, which I just want to say for anyone listening who's not from the Chicago area, the Marriott is this amazing theater out in the suburbs that is the only, and I, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but the only theater in the round theater I'm aware of in this area. Is, there, is that true? That's correct. Um, up in Wisconsin, the Fireside Theater, I believe it's also in the round, but as far as uh, in and around Chicago, this is the only one that is a true in the round theater. Oh, there's nothing like it. It's, you're very right about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about it. from your perspective, that's got to be a whole different ballgame than a traditional stage. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't hide behind anything. You know, there's no proscenium. You, if you miss an entrance, man, you're running down an aisle and people see it. And, uh, <laughs> you know, if your costume rips or if your pants split in the back, somebody, somebody sees it. So uh, there's not much hiding. I never thought about that. So, so you're doing Newsies at Marriott in uh, December of 2017. And you, part of your performance is a tumbling sequence off a table and you land and something didn't feel right? What, or maybe that's putting it lightly? No, I mean, that's pretty much accurate. I It was a really odd night. Um, that show, Newsies, is known for being riddled with injuries. I mean, we did 26 different versions of that show within you know a two-month span. We only did 11 shows with the entire original cast intact. I mean, we did the first, you know, how many shows and then that was it. I mean, somebody was always out or injured or sick or what have you. So that night in particular, one of our boys who was playing Crutchy, he fell during the first act and got a concussion in the middle of the show. And we had to put his understudy on, who was thankfully in the audience watching the show that night. So we already had one major injury. And I was the dance captain on that show. And so during intermission, I'm walking around talking to all of my dancers and I'm like, okay, everybody keep your head in the game. You know, this is when injuries happen is when, you know, we're all amped up and riled up, you know, so everybody just like stay calm and like, we'll get through tonight, you know, sort of a deal. And then of course the one who gets injured is me. Um, I was doing a, a brandy off the table. So essentially it's like a no handed cartwheel landing with two feet off of the table. And uh, it's a very common, easy uh, dismount that you typically would do off a balance beam. I mean, it's very elementary as far as skills go. And I had done it uh, 80 something times, no problem. But for some reason that night I, uh, you know, flipped off the table, I landed, it felt as though my knee actually like went sideways, <laughs> as disgusting as that sounds. And I, but I didn't fall. So I landed, it felt like my knee, you know, my leg essentially went in two and I looked down half expecting my leg to be bent the other way. <laughs> and it wasn't. So I was like, oh, okay, I just kind of landed weird. All right, I'll keep dancing. And so I, I kept dancing, but it felt like I just couldn't put any weight on it. It wasn't even painful. It just felt weird, almost as if like I didn't have control over my leg, like a piece was missing in a way. And I knew that I had a large lift section coming up where I was going to get tossed over one guy's head and another guy would catch me. And I thought to myself, I can't do this. I need to get off stage. So I kind of made like eye contact with a couple people I was supposed to dance with and made a gesture like, I'm out of here, you know? So I hobbled myself up, you know, one of the aisles of the Marriott Theater and hobbled to backstage. And 
the boys, you know, finished the dance number and they all came back. They're like, are you okay? We saw it. We saw that you landed kind of funny. It looked like you twisted. Are you okay? And I said, yeah, you know, I'm going to sit here for the rest of the show. And I, I danced captains from the floor of the bathroom in the, the backstage hallway at the Marriott Theater. Uh, you know, just letting people know, okay, you go here, you do this, you do that um, until the end of the show. And then I went to the hospital where I ran into the boy who got the concussion during the first act. He was still waiting to get a, a, a CAT scan, I believe. And uh, I got in there and they did some basic tests that it wasn't broken, gave me a leg immobilizer and sent me home for the night saying I could go back to work in a couple of days, which that seemed very wrong. <laughs> to me <laughs> and this was right before Christmas mind you so um you know they'd given me a referral to a specialist who was actually like a, a wrist and elbow specialist which didn't make any sense to me because it was my left knee that had been injured so the next day I got up and I uh had a lot of swelling not much pain though still I was able to walk on it and I called the specialist and uh the very nice receptionist on the phone said you know everybody's going out of town for the holiday can't get you in and I just was very upset you know you don't understand I'm a dancer this is what I do for my job I, people are relying on me I have to get back to work I have to get an MRI I need to know what is going on with my leg and so she directed me to Illinois Bone and Joint Institute um, that's not a plug or anything but they are quite wonderful <laughs> I actually had a, a torn meniscus uh, two years ago, three years ago. Oh, you're familiar with the knee injury. <laughs> yeah, I got my surgery from them. The, actually, it happened again this year, but that's another story. But uh, So uh, I can also vouch for Illinois Bone & Joint, but again, not necessarily a commercial here. <laughs> no, but they're wonderful. And so I, I called and I got an appointment for the next day, which is Friday. So I went in and, uh, you know, things, I'm a firm believer that things happen uh, for all the right reasons and at all the right times. Because the doctor I was uh, placed with is one of the four founding doctors of Illinois Bone and Joint. <laughs> oh, so wow. I somehow got like the best of the best. And he did the quick ACL test on me, which if you've torn your meniscus, you probably, they probably did the ACL check on you uh, where they kind of tug at your knee to see if there's resistance. Because your ACL um, is essentially your, your stabilizer in your knee which is why it felt like my, my leg went in two was because I completely tore the, the, the sucker the whole way through. <laughs> and just like blasted it, which is also why I didn't have a lot of pain because there weren't any nerve endings to really latch on and, you know, send me any signals. So he tested it real quick and he was like, yeah, you, you tore it. You're going to have to have surgery. We'll do the MRI just in case, but yeah, you tore it. I'll see you in like three weeks for surgery and walked out. And I just was like, what? Huh? You know, I've been a very healthy person my entire life. I haven't, I broke my arm when I was three because I was doing gymnastics on my sister's bed, which was actually before I got put into gymnastics. So that's how my parents knew. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I haven't had any major surgery. So this was terrifying for me, you know, and, and it's so funny how it all happens. I got put in the little MRI um, tube, you know, and you have to sit in there for, it's like 30 to 45 minutes and you have to sit completely still while they do the imaging. So they gave me headphones to listen to music. And of course, the first song that comes on is I Hope You Dance by Leanne Womack. <laughs> oh, geez. And I was like, oh, this is a cruel joke. This is so cruel. So there I am like crying and the, the guy gets into my headphones. He's like, are you okay? Like, can I do anything for you? You just have to lay there. And I was like, no, the song is just really sad and very, you know, poignant in my life because I may not dance ever again. <laughs> 
Yeah, I mean, at, at that point, when you find out, I mean, so yeah, you're not you're not just an, an actor, which I mean, obviously an actor would care that their ACL is torn, but you're also a dancer as, you know, that's, that's a lot of what you do. Mm-hmm. When you find out that it's torn, first of all, and then you have to get surgery, I mean, it, what was running through your head? I imagine it was kind of like, wait a second, this is like my livelihood. And not only is this a, a big deal, but... I dance for a living. That was primarily what went through my head. It's so funny. I wasn't even concerned about my health. You know, if I, if I had a desk job, I'd have been like, oh man, this is really terrible, but I'll figure it out, you know, but because my entire career is based around movement and especially for me, I mean, I'm really considered a dancer and a gymnast here in town. So I I book a lot of my work based on that. Um, I immediately thought, what am I worth anymore. I'm not going to be worth anything to my community. This is what I do. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I'll dance the same way ever again, or if I'll dance again, period. I don't know if I'll do gymnastics and tumbling ever again. Does that mean I'll get, I won't get hired as often, you know, cause that's part of the reason why I work so much is because I have a little bit of an edge by being able to be a gymnast and do these extra, you know, things. So it was, um, it was terrifying for me. And uh, being such a tomboy growing up, it felt like the ultimate failure. Like my body had completely failed me. And what was I going to do now? What was I worth anymore? So it was uh, very traumatic. (laughs) Oh, I imagine. And it was three weeks later that you had the surgery. So like, how did you get through those three weeks? I mean, that must have been the most excruciating like weight in your life. It was terrible. And of course, it being right there during the holidays, uh, you know, I'm literally just like laying on a couch, you know, and they like, can't work out, which I mean, I, I like to work out anyway, you know, so I'm sitting here like, oh, I'm eating all this holiday food and I'm gonna get fat and I'm so upset because my life is completely changing and now I have to wait three weeks to have surgery. What can I do? Uh, but I did a lot of research and I, uh, I was also given a sports knee brace. So I was able to go to the gym and do a lot of like, um, upper body exercises and seated biking. Um, so anything that really wasn't weight bearing, I was allowed to do. Um, and a lot of people, go ahead. I was just going to say, wait a second. Um, this is where we are very different and I admire you so much because you tear your ACL, you're laid up on the couch with a brace and you're immediately thinking, how can I go to the gym to at least do upper body strength? I feel like most people would have been like, all right, I'm going to just sit on the couch, watch movies to pass the time. Um, How how did you, is that just kind of like, that's, that's who you are. You're like, I don't care. I'm going to get through this. I'm going to the gym, whatever it takes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't have time to sit here and pity myself <laughs> essentially which like I don't know if that's exactly the healthiest way to go about it um but I will say I, I I'm not a big crier in life it's just not been uh it wasn't really how I was raised necessarily um which is really great in some ways but at that point in my life I have never cried so much so don't think that I was like very peppy and upbeat and like, it's okay, I'll bounce back. I'll hit the gym and do some weights and no big deal. Oh no, it was, it was definitely a struggle. And thankfully I had um, a lot of really wonderful friends and family members who provided encouragement in every way, shape or form that they could. Uh, but I even kind of hit it from uh, social media and my community 
for almost a week. Um, I was just so terrified that people were going to think less of me. I was, I was weak. I was considered weak is how I felt, which is so silly. Um, and which is why I firmly believe all of this was supposed to happen in my life because that's part of something I was missing in um, my, myself, my core being, my Laura was not a very vulnerable human. And I've learned <laughs> to authentically be vulnerable. Something I'm still working on, but um, you know, every no one judged me for this. Everyone was here for me and was like, "You're gonna bounce back. If anybody can come back from this, it's you." You know, so here I was sitting here and thinking, everyone's gonna think I'm weak. No one's gonna want to hire me again. You know, what am I worth? I'm worthless. I failed. I can't. I can't. When everyone was very supportive. Um, once I was able to say, you know, my story and say, "I'm scared." I don't know what's going to happen. Everyone came, you know, to support me. So it was a big life lesson for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I know exactly what you mean. And I'm curious because I, I know exactly what you mean about like you feel weak. You feel like, you know, you don't want people to know that, you know, this happened or that, you know, you might appear weak or you're not strong enough. Um, what was that what it was like you, you know, for that first week or two holding the news kind of close to yourself, you didn't want people to think you were weak, but like what made you, or, you know, within your head, like what made you feel that you were weak? I mean, was it the fact that you, you know, like you say, you've been healthy all your life, you're a strong dancer, a successful dancer, and that like a strong, successful dancer, this shouldn't happen to, and you kind of felt like, oh, that means I'm weak or was it? some other reason? Yeah, I, I, it kind of felt like this doesn't happen to me. This shouldn't happen to me. I'm known for being so put together and the person you can always rely on. You know, Laura will always be there. Uh, I do a lot of understudy work uh, and a lot of dance captaining. So I'm known for jumping in and going on for somebody at the last minute or, oh, if somebody gets injured or hurt, Laura's going to help us all figure out where we need to go and what we need to do. Like this, I'm very reliable. This is what I'm known for. And here I am. And I'm the one getting injured. I'm the one that's forcing everybody else to have to deal with my situation. Oh, so by, I, um, by tearing your ACL, this happening to you, you've in a sense, let everybody else down now is yeah. how you felt. Yeah. Oh, that's so tough. That's so tough. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. It, those are the moments I wonder, like, what is going on in our brains? Like, you know, how do we conjure that within our, because I've been there, you know. Um, was it, so then was it everybody, once you told everybody and they were so supportive, is that what kind of reversed that thought in your mind of like, oh, I didn't actually let them down. It's totally okay. It wasn't totally okay, uh, but it definitely helped. Um, and to hear so many people just saying, Laura, I'm here for you. You're going to be fine. If anyone can do it, you can. I mean, that's what I heard from everyone. And the term warrior kept coming up. Like once I had my surgery and was going through my seven months of physical therapy rehab, everyone just kept saying, you're a warrior. Like you're a badass. Like, how are you doing? Like, of course you're doing this. I could never do this, but of course you're doing it. And I am, um, once I had done my initial social media posts um, on Instagram, and it's funny, I was actually like in the gym doing upper body, like bicep curls with my knee brace on. 
um, at that point, I decided, you know, I'm going to post every time I'm going to rehab, I'm going to post about it. Every time I'm going through a struggle, I'm going to post about it. And also every day, selfishly to help me um, on Instagram, I was posting a random quote just something that resonated with me for that day and sharing it just as a way to be like, this is where I'm at. This is what I'm thinking about. And not, not necessarily quotes that I came up with ones that I found as well. Um, but maybe it'll touch you in a certain way today. And the feedback was pretty incredible. Uh, it's so funny how we feel like we don't make any difference on anyone else's life, you know, except for those who are like very tightly wound close to us. But I had and still do have dancers and people who find my page or my posts and they'll write to me saying, you know, I tore my ACL. I'm a dancer. What kind of a, a graph did you get? Which, you know, did you get patellar and or aloe or an autograph? You know, just asking about particulars and who did your surgery and how long was the rehab and how did it affect you in your life? You know, and it's funny that it's, it truly feels like this was supposed to happen to me. You mentioned that like we don't realize how we affect other people's lives. I am like obsessed with that idea because it, this happens to me. Like just saying it now, I'm aware of this. You're aware of this. We're talking about it, but I'm not aware of it. Like I always forget like that things I'm doing and saying, and not even necessarily negatively, but positively too, they are affecting other people's lives, even though they might not tell you about it. Like you are having an effect on someone else's life. And it's just mm -hmm. like this weird, it's so hard to like remain cognizant of that. Um, and it's, you know, I'm, I'm glad that you were able to, I, I feel like I struggle with that so many times. Oh, and believe me, I do too. Especially, it's so funny getting up and doing Madagascar, this one hour kid show where I'm, I'm dressed up in a cloud suit and acting with a penguin and a lemur attached to my legs. You know, it's pretty silly and goofy, but Man, the, there are some days we had a show on Saturday. There was a girl, she must have been about 10 or 11 years old, and she had Down syndrome. And she was sitting there in the audience watching, and she was blowing kisses to my penguin. And it's such like a gut check reminder of I, I am holding a penguin, which is so silly, but I'm making a huge difference in this girl's life right now in this moment. She is experiencing true bliss and joy because I'm holding a puppet. You know, which is just so like minute and it's, it can be hard getting up and performing at 10 a.m. But we have to remind ourselves of things like that, just like going through this crazy traumatic injury, me posting about my hardship, you know, and not being able to bend my knee. I mean, you've gone through the meniscus, so you I know you understand, but not being able to bend your knee and walk properly and just sharing that and people responding, you know, that. <laughs> that they can relate or they can't believe like how crazy this all is, you know, we really do have a large effect on many people, you know, and like you said, negatively and positively, and it's not just with our actions, but with our words. And it's hard to remain present and remember that for sure. Yeah. And I mean, speaking of making impact, you know, using Madagascar as an example, the, the show I was at with my, my two kids, um, my son loves like behind the scenes, especially if he's really getting into like movies and he makes little movies with his friends and he loves why he just watched like the documentary for like two hours about how they made star Wars. And so when you, you led a Q and a session after a performance um, where you went around the crowd and you got questions from 
uh, children and people who had questions, and then all the actors, including yourself, answered. That, you know, I don't know if that's like just routine for you or, I mean, you seem to really be enjoying it, but if it's just kind of, you know, part of the show, I think about, you know, my son Noah, like I loved it. He loved it. And I think about, you know, like the paths he could take in life. And obviously, I don't know what paths he's going to take, but, you know, there might have been a question about how you, the theater runs or, you know, the different, you guys discuss the different roles, the production designer, the costume designer. There might be a question that night that because you did that Q&A, he was inspired, you know, to go down some path just like you did, you know, after you were uh, cast in Annie, that he may not have gone down had you not done that Q&A. Like, I think about that. Like, you may, you, I mean, you definitely had a, a positive impact on him. But fast forward 10 years, who knows, maybe you completely affected positively his course in life. You know, and I hope so. Uh, we do do the Q&As. They are a part of the uh, TYA, Theater for Young Audiences, the shows. And um, that's a main reason why we do it, is to let kids know, yes, it's all great if you want to get up on stage and pretend to be a hippo, but you might be a little bit shy and maybe you don't want to sing and dance, or maybe you aren't the best dancer in the room or what have you, or you just would really prefer to work on sound or costumes or props or creating puppets. And you can do that too, you know, and it doesn't matter, you know, it's like you could be a boy or a girl or however you identify, but if you want to be creative and imaginative, you can do anything you want to do. So it is a lot of fun. I do enjoy doing it. We get some silly questions here and there, but, um, I try to steer it towards the ones that might make a little bit more of an impact. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were fantastic as a kind of like a, almost like a game show host. I mean, you definitely naturally have that talent. You were running around, you got the next question, you were ready with the next one after that. And I was, I was impressed. I was like, this is a, you know, they know what they're doing here. Oh, thanks. Yeah. I, uh, I can't take full credit for that because I've been a part of many um, kids shows in the past and I've watched many other people do it and, beautifully so i've i've learned from the best <laughs> and i think the cloud suit definitely helps add to that host kind of vibe <laughs> the cloud suit uh man this is an audio podcast and i don't think i can post pictures but the cloud suit was the best they're pretty funny they just really are just a little two button suit made out of sky blue cloud material <laughs> it, absolute best like i i hope you get to like after the show's over take one home I mean, they're pretty funny, but only if I wear the bright orange pleather uh, Doc Martin boots with it. <laughs> Those were amazing too. I was just, I think you, 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 the penguins had the best costumes um, because they were just so fun and like, it just puts a smile on your face. I agree. They're just really cool and hip and it was a beautiful design by Jesus Perez, you know, somebody who I'm sure as a kid thought, I want to do theater, but I don't want to be on stage. So, you know, he somehow was impacted and now he's doing it. There you go. You mentioned earlier um, kind of that that first week after your uh, diagnosis, diagnosis, your identification of the ACL being torn, that you didn't, you didn't feel comfortable sharing. You felt like you were kind of weak. Um, you mentioned, though, that like once people, you told people and they, they were so supportive, you realized you hadn't in the past like felt very vulnerable. Um, what do you mean by that? Uh, I have always been the person that is fine. I'm fine. How are you, Laura? I'm fine. You sure? Yeah, oh, I'm fine. 
because for me, it was like, I got this. Whatever problems I have, I don't need any help. I got it. I'm fine. I'll handle it on my own. And this is a problem I could not handle on my own. Obviously, I had to have, you know, surgeons and doctors and physical therapists and friends and family to rely on. Um, after my surgery, they gave me this, it's called a game ready machine. Essentially, it's like a big tube, uh, like a sleeve for your leg and that's hooked up to a tube with like an ice bucket and that runs. And so it pumps ice cold water. So it's icing your leg while also doing compression every 20 minutes. And so you have to be attached to that pretty much for a week straight. And uh, you have to refill that ice bucket every like three hours, you know, and so I couldn't get up and hobble to the fridge, you know, in the next room to get more ice. So I I had to depend on other people, um, which that in and of itself is so, uh, so vulnerable for most people, especially for me, though, just because I've always been I'm the giver, I'm the helper, I will do things for others, I don't need anyone to do anything for me. So this is a major (laughs) flip in my world. Oh, absolutely. You know, it just clicked for me. There was something when I was reading that article um, from the photographer where I kind of read about your story here about the ACL tearing. There was something that like drew me to that story. And, And now I know what it is that you just described me like that's exactly who I am as well. I am someone who was always the person who you know, I like to say I was independent. I didn't need help. I love to help others. I, I may still love to help others, but um, the giver didn't need help. You know, I don't, I don't need your support. I, I'm fine. I'm fine. Just the way you said that, I'm fine. I'm like, oh my God, that's me. Um, and then, you know, so yeah, I had a torn meniscus and that well, twice now, but the first time was both times weren't terrible. Um, but so, um, you know, the past, over the past year, basically, um, my, well, now ex-wife and I got separated and then divorced. And that happened earlier this year. And, you know, it, that was the moment where just like you had that revelation of like, wait a second, I need the support of others right now. I felt that too. And I, I, I see now why I was so drawn to your story is like, you just described a, how I felt and who I was, and then B, kind of that same transformation of like, wait a second, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to say I need help. And actually, I'm not weak if I say that. Exactly. And Tim, you're going to think I'm crazy and making it up, but you and I are meant to be having this conversation right now because my knee surgery and tear. I firmly believe was the universe saying you need to sit down and reevaluate your life because I actually have just been recently going through um, the process of being divorced as well. So it's just kind of funny that you felt like my story resonated with you, which I didn't think I talked about my divorce in that article, in that blog, but um, there were definitely underlying tones to the the piece talking about how, um, you know, you realize that you just have to sit back and reevaluate and, you know, when you're injured and when you need the most help is when you really find out who's there for you, you know, and uh, it, that's, that's hard. It's that um, my mother's a, a, a marriage and family therapist, <laughs> and she likes to talk about um, kids. The big question um, for kids is, um, are you there for me? And it's actually a question we continue not realizing, but we continue asking throughout our entire lives is, are you there for me? Are you there for me? 
And in these very traumatic moments, we are asking that, are you there for me? You know, and you really find out who is and, and who isn't. So. I love that. And I think you're absolutely right. I mean, yeah, we are always asking, are you there for me? Whether we realize it or not. Oh yeah. We could sit here and put on a beautiful facade of I'm fine. I don't need you to be there for me, but that's just a stifling, the small child or person inside who is saying, no, but actually I do need someone there for me, but we're overloading it, you know, and pushing them down and saying, I have to be here for everyone else. You don't get to ask because we're doing for others. So why is it that we have such a hard time allowing others to do for us? And that's what vulnerable is, you know, you have to be vulnerable in order to accept help. Absolutely. That is something I learned so much over, you know, the past year, year and a half. In, in speaking of your story speaking to me, I saw you posted on Instagram on your birthday, and I love this post. Um, you said, birthday reflections are always interesting. No, I'm not where I thought I was going to be at this point in my life. By society standards, I'm sure I'm failing. But my standards for myself do not perfectly align with societies. And in so many ways, I am much more of a complete human than I ever thought I would be. Cheers to a major year of growth, authenticity, vulnerability, accountability, happiness, and breathing. Laura, I read that and I was like, you're speaking to me. Like, yeah, cheers to that major year of all of those things. And like, I just read that and I like stopped in my tracks. And I was like, like you said, I think we were meant to be speaking uh, right now because I just, I could not have connected to that, to that any more than I, than I did, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And even it's so silly, even hearing somebody else say that to me. So hearing my words in your voice, um, I mean, I'm teared up right now because it's, um, it's, it's hard and it's always a process, you know, and no, I'm not perfect. Nobody's perfect. And perfect, frankly, is boring. Who wants it anyway? But, um, you know, I really believe that here in life, we are meant to be constantly changing and evolving and growing. And for a long time, I was very stagnant. And I think it's because I wasn't being vulnerable. And I really think that the universe sat me down and said, we got to shake things up. You're not, you're not listening. So we're going to physically sit you down. So you have to listen. So you have to reevaluate. So you can become more of the person that you are supposed to become because the path you're on right now you're not, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it to where you're supposed to be. So, you know, sat me down so that I could reevaluate, figure things out and get back on a better path and a better journey, which is why, which you probably saw, but I was using the hashtag journey back to savage because I really feel like I'm coming back to um, being a savage person, which I know some people like, so it's like a negative like term and some people are really all about how it's like a catchphrase now. But for me, it's just coming back to my roots of, yes, I'm a giver and I can still be that person, but I'm going to be such a better giver if I can learn to accept help as well. Man, that's the key. I love that you said that. Like, I think that's such the key that I never realized. And I'm guessing, you know, you, you probably shared that, that you actually can be better at what we enjoy of helping others and being of service by accepting that same help and service from others. And like saying it out loud right now, it seems so obvious, but I feel like I'm 
rediscovering this epiphany right now is like we can be so much better if we're actually willing to accept help. Absolutely. And don't get me wrong. It's something I struggle with on the daily, <laughs> you know, like it's, uh, it's hard. Life is hard and you have to ask for help and not just ask for it, but you have to accept it. Cause it's like, here I am offering help. And if somebody rejected my help, I would think, well, why I'm offering it? Why would you reject it? So why do I want to do that to other people? Absolutely. So simple. So difficult. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you mentioned, or I mean, you wrote in that, that Instagram post on your birthday that by society standards, I'm sure I'm failing. I, I think I know what you mean by that, but do you ever feel like that, that you're failing? Cause let me, let me tell you this. Like, I don't know how you view yourself in terms of like, you know, being a professional actor and like where on that scale you are. Like you said, you said you'd love to go on Broadway. So I don't know if you view like you still have achievements you want to get to and you're not at the top of your game or whatnot. But like from my point of view, like coming to the Marriott Theater um, and seeing that performance um, and then, you know, seeing the credits of everything else you've been in. In my mind, you're like insanely successful because you are a professional actress um, like I said, I feel like the odds are stacked against anyone who wants to be an actress. So you doing this for a living, I would never, ever in my mind believe you are in any way failing. But I know that like in our own minds, that's not always the case. Like even if we feel like we are where we want to be, we still feel like we're failing to some extent. I was just curious if, do you ever get that feeling that like you're failing to some extent? I do. And often, um, not so much at Chicago theater, as far as my career goes in Chicago, it is a really wonderful, very full one. I've worked at all of the major theaters. Um, there are some I haven't worked out, you know, as far as, uh, that do a lot more straight plays. Um, so non-musical theater, which I could pursue more of, but as far as the major musical theater houses go, I've performed at all of them and, um, really have enjoyed all of my work there. Uh, but I haven't tried New York yet. So that's actually what I'm going to be doing at the beginning of the year is um, heading out there just to see if New York and I vibe. You know, I'm going to just go out for a couple of months before I have my gig that's lined up for next summer, uh, which I'm not allowed to talk about quite yet because it's not released, um, you know, on the casting notices. But um so yeah, I feel a little bit like a failure because at this point in time in my career, I should have tried New York. I should have succeeded in New York, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a bit of that. But then also like within that post, I was talking about my marriage as well. You know, that I have so many friends who are married, who are having kids or have had kids or, you know, so from society standards, I should be married. Yes, I should have kids. Yes. But, you know, that's not everyone's path in life you know and that's okay and I'm essentially not rebranding but I'm recouping and um it's exciting my life was getting very stagnant for a while and so now it's been majorly um shaken up so I'm gonna I'm gonna run with it <laughs> I love that I man we really were meant to speak <laughs> it's mm -hmm. like it's scary, scary parallel, but I, I know exactly what you mean about, you know, like you mentioned at this point in your life, you know, you're supposed to be married with kids or whatnot. And like, I, 
similarly, like sometimes I feel like, you know, I've, I've failed now, you know, I'm, I'm 34. I have nine, you know, five-year-old. I love how I'd hesitate there at home. My daughter is, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, so wait, you know, you got married, you had kids, you were married for, you know, over a decade and then now you're not. And, you know, wait a second, like that's a failure. You've done it backwards and now what? But the way you said, like, you're excited, you're rejuvenated, you're, you were stagnant, you re, you're rebranding in a sense. Like, Laura, those those words are exactly how I'm feeling. And um, I share that sentiment. Like, it's so hard to to look out that window and say, like, no, no, I'm not failing. This is this is OK. This is different, but it's OK. Yes. And it's OK to move through the space of I'm failing because believe you me. Oh, oh, I was like, I'm failing. <laughs> I have failed. I failed big time hard. And that takes time to move through that headspace, you know, and move on to a better one where you can look at your, you know, I can see that my, you know, my ex is doing well in his life and I'm nothing but happy for him, you know, and it makes me happy and excited to look forward to all of the wonderful things that I'm going to have in my life and that we shared our time together. And that's what it was. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we, I feel like society tells us that there's so much wrong with that. Um, which is funny, because my parents are divorced. So I didn't even come from uh, a house where, you know, I had to uh, strive to be, you know, just like my parents and have this long, wonderful life together. You know, mine, it came from a, a split home and there's nothing wrong with that. I guess that's really what I'm finding out is that there's nothing wrong with having feelings and expressing those feelings because really it makes you a stronger, more fulfilled uh, human. I love that. It really does. I love that. You, in your, uh, in that article I read um, about your ACL, you wrote that in many ways, this devastating event helped to heal what I did not know was broken within me. Um, we talked about how you definitely realized that you could stand to be more vulnerable. What else was broken within you? Oh, man. It's, uh, again, hearing yeah, somebody else say my words, it's just like, whoa, whoa. Uh, it really, it was that. It was that. I had to be so strong and so capable all the time. And that is not the case. You know, it's, there's so much beauty in, um, and I hate to say being weak, there's strength and weakness that I did not know was there. I was very much raised, um, you know, as a tomboy, uh, and that crying was a weakness. We didn't show that, you know, um, and I've gone through this now. And like I said, I cried so much more at that point in my life than I probably had up until, until that point in my life. Um, so I didn't know that that part of me was essentially broken. I thought I'm fine. I'm capable. I'm working. I'm living. I'm thriving, aren't I? And it's like, wait a minute. You are in many face value, you know, you were saying you read my credits, it looks like I've had this great career in Chicago and I have. So at face value and, and I was married and, you know, da, 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 like at so many face values, I was ticking all the boxes. But as far as internally, emotionally, spiritually, I was not at all whatsoever. So I didn't realize that I was neglecting a major part of 
um, myself. I wasn't nurturing myself. And therefore, frankly, I don't think I was the best partner that I could be in my past marriage. And so it's um, all been very humbling and a good uh, awakening of how much better I can be, um, not just for a partner, because again, if you can accept and receive help, you're going to be a better giver, but also just to myself you know, giving to myself. It's so easy to give to others. Man, giving to yourself, difficult. So yeah, broken. I guess it's so funny that I put it so, it sounds so harsh now when I think about it. I don't know if I'd say broken. I guess I'd say maybe missing a link or yeah, not checking a box. I don't know. That's funny that you say it sounds so harsh because like uh, from my point of view, again, it didn't seem harsh. It just seemed like, wow, you just wrote what I wish I had written. I love the words you used. I also love how you said uh, in a matter of, of checking the boxes that you were just checking the boxes at face value um, and, and how you realize now that like, you know, maybe maybe you weren't, you know, as um fulfilling as a partner as you could have been. And, you know, I, I totally share that sentiment. Like on my end, I, I look back and realize, Oh, okay. Like this is part of it. Like I am not, or I was not fully present in myself. I was not fully aware of where I was broken. Um, so yeah, I, I don't actually f- feel that that's very harsh at all. I think it's pretty spot on. Well, I'm glad that it uh, resonates with you. It definitely did with me at the time, for sure, which is why I wrote it. But I guess now, because it's been about a a year since I wrote that, just about we're you know about ten months. Um, so it's kind of uh, comforting to know that I'm somewhat in a different place with it. <laughs> you know, um, I'm 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 glad that I don't look at it and think I was broken. You know, and now because now I think I was missing, I was missing out, I was lacking as opposed to, but I guess broken does apply because if something's broken, you can fix it. There you go. It's good to reflect. It is. I find it so, it's so good to reflect. And then I, my whole mantra is, is generally as long as today is better than yesterday i'm moving in the right path it, it doesn't matter if it's just a little bit better or if it's exponentially better but as long as today is better than yesterday then then i'm on the right path i'd agree with that i saw on your your personal website or you know your your i don't know how you call it a portfolio but i don't know if you call it a portfolio in your business um but you had um in the top left uh under your name it says every bit the triple threat and i was really curious w- what that means Oh, so that's a direct quote from, oh man, some <laughs> some reviewer from some show. I wish I could tell you right off the top of my head. Uh, but a triple threat in our business would be a uh, singer, dancer, actor. So one, two, three talents. Oh, okay. Which is funny now because now you really need to be, and, and I joke, I actually say that I'm a quadruple threat because I tumble. I'm a gymnast as well. But now... The big thing is to be a quadruple threat and to play an instrument as well. That's the big kicker. Oh, wait. So that would be dancing, singing, singing acting, acting, and, and playing, playing an instrument? instrument? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Do you have any instruments under your belt? Uh, yeah, just some real basic guitar and mandolin and piano. Just real basic. <laughs> I really should work on it. <laughs> but I love how even 
even if they're basic, you have three instruments, not just one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, because like, when you go to college for musical theater, you you learn piano because you have to be able to plunk out, you know, songs when you're uh, learning for auditions. And then um, I used to be in a country band at one point. So learning guitar and mandolin for that was uh, was a part of it. I saw that. What was it? When I was when I was doing some research on this, uh, mm-hmm. it was called was it country no cowboy jukebox? Yeah, cowboy jukebox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm no longer with them. My uh, my ex uh, created the band. It was his vision to have a country band, and they couldn't find a girl singer. This is how many years ago? And I was like, well, I can sing country. I'll fill in, and I loved it. <laughs> I loved it so much, and. Uh, got to meet a lot of really wonderful country artists and um, sing like opening sets for a lot of them. We played at a really large uh, festival in Michigan called Faster Horses. Um, So it was a really great, wonderful, uh, different type of performing from what I was used to. And it really opened me up in a lot of ways uh, to how I was performing in theater. It just made me much more relaxed and, um, it's just not so technical. I used to be a very technical by the book kind of an actor, which actually kind of makes you a, a bad actor in some ways because you're not authentic, you're kind of <laughs> robotic. So it allowed me to just uh, be more of myself or bring more of myself to my work. You you mentioned that. So come the new year, you're going to try out New York um, and, and kind of see if it if it jives with you. What are you what are you most excited about there? Is it is it just as much about trying New York, the the theater scene and kind of that whole new world of a uh, theater and acting or is it just as much about that as it is just kind of like this is the next iteration of Laura in Laura's life? You know what? It's because they I mean, I've worked with a handful of New York choreographers and directors, so they know me. But I really feel like I'm excited because they don't, New York doesn't know me. So there are no preconceived notions about what parts I should play or shouldn't play. I'm essentially a blank canvas. I can go out there and I can be and who I want to be and do what I want to do and audition for what I want to audition for. I'm not stuck in a box. And that happens here. Understandably so. Gotcha. So it's kind of a whole new world of opportunity. And it sounds a little bit like, I don't know if you're like me, but I love when there is a blank slate ahead of me where I almost can't, I can't see what the end is going to look like. I don't know how this is going to turn out, but all I see is a blank slate of opportunity. That's kind of what this sounds like for you. Yeah. it's And I'm, uh, I'm definitely a Libra and that means I have a hard time making decisions, but this is one that I'm able to make because I know that I'm coming back to Chicago next summer for work. So I know that I will be in New York for a certain amount of time. It's not a complete overhaul move of my life. It's like a little dating period between me and New York. And, um, it might work really well and I might want to come back and try it out a little bit more, or I might be there and I might hate it. And then I can come back to Chicago, you know, which I already know I love it here, you know, and I have a community here, you know, and um, theaters that I love to work at. So this is like a safe space for me now. So I need to, I got to try something new. I got to shake it up a little bit. I love that. I love how you say it's a safe space and I got to shake it up a little bit. I think that's, probably so important for us all to do 
somewhat regularly in our lives. And it doesn't have to be drastic, I don't think, if you don't want it to be. But yeah, just kind of shaking it up. If we're starting to feel a little bit content, you know, change something up a little bit. Yeah, it's so funny how often we limit ourselves. You know, I was with a friend the other night and uh, uh, he was playing hockey and he was like, you know, let's skate beforehand. You know, it's open ice. We should, you know, come out and skate. And I was like, yeah. And then we got to the rink and I was like, I don't know if I really want to skate because all these kids are out there like with their hockey sticks, like slapping the puck around and everything. And in my brain, I'm like, oh gosh, like a puck's going to hit me in the face or something. And like, I, you know, I'm a performer. I have to protect my face. Like, it's <laughs> like this whole thing. And then it's like, why am I limiting myself? Just put on the skates and get on the ice and just skate around. What's the problem? You know? So even doing something as small as that, just shaking it up a little bit, you know, trying a new hobby or what have you, you know, we just, we get so uh, comfortable and complacent and, um, and then we're stagnant. And then the universe tears your ACL so that you change it up. <laughs> <laughs> I I hate to say it because, I mean, what you went through is, you know, is so painful. Um, but I think you were meant to tear that ACL, unfortunately, so to speak. Um, the universe probably did do that for a reason. I, I really believe so. And, and a lot of people were like, not they didn't really understand what I meant by that you know and it took me a little bit of time to realize I'd say probably a good after I say toured in December probably by about February into March is when I started to realize oh this is why this happened okay I'm gonna surrender to that and I'm gonna listen. I'm going to really sit down and I'm going to really focus and listen, you know, cause we, it's the difference between being a listener and being an active listener. I don't think I was being an active listener. And so then forced myself to do so. And, um, major changes have happened and that's not to say it's been easy. It's definitely been hard and it's, you know, definitely had its ups and downs, but, um, it feels like a large energy shift has happened for me and um, I'm really looking forward to see where it goes. Laura, I cannot thank you enough for, for taking the time to chat. Um, you know, we went through all sorts of technical difficulties prior to recording and we finally yeah. got this working and thank you so much. I mean, I really do truly believe that we were meant to, to chat about all this and I'm so excited to, to put this out there and, you know, hopefully others, I, I always take some notes during these, these episodes just cause I, I'm learning and I got so many notes here. So I hope others are able to, to pull these nuggets out of this as well. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. I, you know, I love talking about this experience and that's what we have to do, right? If we don't share our experiences, um, how can others learn from them? It goes back to what we said earlier, you know, we're always having an impact on somebody else. So speak up share your story. Somebody will pull a nugget from it. Thanks for listening to We're Only Human. I invite you to subscribe to the podcast in your favorite podcast app, leave us a review, and give us some stars. Thanks.